I just have to obey my heart and what I believe the Spirit speaking to me. Like, Aaron, share this song with the world. Then it doesn't matter what the numbers are. What matters is whether or not I'm obedient to God. And I don't want to over-spiritualize it. I don't think I am. Uh, it's been, it's, it feels way more like a ministry now, um, whereas it felt a little bit more like a business before. Between the Grooves is hosted by James Curtis, music director and morning man in the greater Toronto area on Joy Radio. Hosts James Curtis talk to artists and industry insiders to discover the connection between music and faith. You can connect with the show at faithstrongtoday.com slash between the grooves or via Twitter at between grooves. It's episode 216 of Between the Grooves, your look at music, ministry, and everything in between with today's top Christian artists. Today, singer, songwriter, worship leader, Aaron Schust. He's a GMA Dove Award winner. We'll see what's been working for him over the last little while, what the music industry has been like for him during the pandemic. Back to touring while keeping his priorities in check, leading worship on the road, how he's found it as an independent artist versus being signed to a label. Let's get Between the Grooves with Aaron and Schust. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. Um, I, I'm loving this season, moving into a, like the, the literal season of fall. I, mean, I hated it as a kid, but um, I don't know. It brings it brings hope. I'm living in the south now. That's different. So like a little bit of a reprieve from the heat is nice. Um, the uh, you know the, the the season of kids going to school and the, the busyness like they're, they're they're crazy busy but they're not driving yet so that's right. a crazy season because we're running them everywhere uh, but it's good it's exciting and uh, and nothing to complain about for me I'm not a huge fan of fall I do like the colors but being uh, in Canada I mean you you see a lot of great right. colors but it gets colder too and and I would I would live for the heat all see all year long I would live for that heat. Yeah. Well, the colors you get have got to be spectacular. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And and you can't complain about that. It's just, you know, the temperatures are starting to get cool. You know, things are cooling off and you know that there's going to be some snow. You know that there's mm-hmm. going to be traffic that you have to encounter with snow on the ground. And, right. And uh, I just, I'm a summer guy and my wife loves summer as well. Uh, so, you know, she well, becomes a... Canadian re- summers are fantastic. I oh, mean, yeah. Yeah. You can't beat them. My wife becomes a recluse in the wintertime. She doesn't venture out unless she really has to. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. I hear that. I like, uh, to, I like to be warm. I like the warm fire and the blankets and the, war- and the candles and the warm showers. It, it is nice yeah. to warm up. Warming yeah. up is always nicer. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a different season, too, for a lot of people, not just weather-wise, but just coming out of this pandemic. This has been an interesting year and a half, actually more than a year and a half now. Well, it's made us think about a lot of things we never thought we'd think about. I know that. Regardless of where we ended up, it's like, wow, interesting. You start thinking about everything. You know, why you do the things the way you do and what's necessary and what's not necessary and the fragility of every, you know, it runs the whole gamut. Definitely the priority side of things, for sure. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I was uh, chatting with a few artists over the last few months, and one of the common denominators was that as an example, touring, their tours were shorter, but they felt longer because they had spent so much time at home before. So they would go on tour and it might only be three or four days. They'd come back home. It's like, oh, it's so good to be home versus two years ago. They'd be on tour for two, three weeks at a, at a time. That is a fascinating observation. And I totally concur with that. That's I hadn't put that together yet, but you're absolutely right. The longest I'd ever done was 28 days straight, and that was that was miserable even before the pandemic. Um, and you know, I had two kids at home at that point in time. And at, after that, you know, life is full of making minor adjustments and tweaks. And we came, I came home after that one, and my wife and I sat down and talked about what, how, how long was too long. Um, and we decided the two two week two weeks in a row because sometimes you have to go whether it's you know you leave the country or even like a west coast run from the east. It doesn't make sense financially to only go for a couple of days and then fly all the way back. Right. You, you'll stay out for two weeks. So we, you know, totaled it up from like, I think it's from a Thursday to the following Sunday with travel home was about 12 days. So anytime there was an, an opportunity to go for that 13th day, I had to, you know, check with my wife first. Right. Um, and there was, I remember, I remember one time, it was, it was shortly after that where we had an opportunity to, you know, put our, how do you say it? Put your money where your mouth is or whatever. Um, 
there were a, a really great opportunity popped up on day 13 and we declined it just on principle. Like, no, nope, right. it's family's important. But yeah, now, <laughs> now when I'm gone for a four day run, it's like, I've been gone forever. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And there, and there was one tweak I made that I'm still on the fence about whether or not it's the, it's the right idea. I think it is. Um, I used to, when I knew I was done, well, I, I don't, I never had the flexibility to like, to, you know, the concert is when the concert is, right. I can't leave until it's, t- it's done. Yeah, yeah. Um, that being said, I've taken like at those late concert evenings when you get back to the hotel sometimes at eleven or midnight. Um, I've taken those early morning flights home, and by you know for the purpose of getting home as soon as possible. But then I'm only getting three hours of sleep. I get home, I'm miserable, I'm exhausted, I end up getting sick. So I've I, I have tweaked that. Like you know what, take your time. Yes, you do want to get home. It's not like I'm spending an extra day at the beach or anything. I'm going home on a good, on a good night's rest myself you know yeah, i'm able yeah. to like actually be of of some value at home <laughs> yeah i do find when i overwork myself that's when i start to feel under the weather and then i know i've overworked myself right and that's when that's i true. and i you know i yeah. do the morning show at the radio station so i'm up very early in the morning um mm-hmm. and you know your your work schedule is busy because i'm also the music director so you know all of that just you know the work just piles up uh if i get home um, way back when, my doctor had told me you probably don't want to nap throughout the day. A lot of morning show hosts, you know, in radio would huh. nap during the day, and he says you probably don't want to do that because um, he knows of a lot of people in media where uh, they start to get sleeping disorders because of the fact that they're napping. So now they can't sleep at night properly. So I've tried. Really? I've tried really, really hard not to nap during the day, except on a Friday. You know, I've I finished my work week, and I'll nap just so I can stay up late so I can, you know, live life with my yeah. family because they're up later, right? Sure. But other than that, That's I try good. not to nap Monday through Thursday. Having said that, if I'm under the weather, I will nap and it's because I, I have to. Like, I'm, I'm not feeling to, great. Like and body tells you. Yeah, right. exactly. And I enjoy those naps uh, and I can still sleep at night because I was really doing it just to recover from being overworked. So your body does That's know. That's good advice. Yeah. Well, I'm not. I'm. I'm still learning myself. So. <laughs> right. No, that's good. Well, it makes me think too about anytime you do any time of any type of international travel or or even anything anytime you're crossing multiple time zones. Yeah. Uh, and when you land, um, you know, there you always you you know if it's far enough away, you want to sleep immediately. And an, anyone who knows says, nope, stay up. As miserable as you are that first day, stay up until bedtime. If you want to, you know, have dinner, get a quick shower, go to bed at eight o'clock. But go to bed and then sleep all night, and you'll wake up on the new time. So again, the uh, you have, there's sometimes you have to you have to uh, you know jumpstart the the circadian rhythm of your body because it does know. Yeah, it does, it does. know when you need sleep. It does. Uh, as far as touring, how have things changed for you over the last year and a half? Because obviously, six months ago, you probably weren't doing what you're doing now. No, it's a, it's a definitely an interesting thing. My children, I have three boys, and they're 15, almost 13, and almost 10. And so they have gotten used to their daddy being home a lot more, and so have I. I'm a, I'm a homebody. I, I love the adventure of travel, but like you said earlier, it's not glamorous. Mm-hmm. Um, you, get to, you get to meet people, uh, which is great, because, you know, people, uh, the Word of God and people, the two eternal things, Right. Um, and so you meet people, and especially when you're meeting brothers and sisters in Christ, that's always special. Uh, getting to experience different cultures, getting to experience, honestly, as simple as this sounds, experiencing different foods. Like when I, when I go to Toronto, I'm not going to go to uh, McDonald's. And, and, and I'm going to get, unless they have poutine, then I'm going to experience that because we don't get that down here. Yeah, they you know, do. But if you're going to get poutine, why would you go to McDonald's? That's the other question. Well, sometimes it's the only place that's open. I've okay, had poutine okay. at McDonald's at like one in the morning or some, whatever it was. It was pretty, it was pretty tasty. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I can't complain. I don't, I don't know. I've only had a couple in my lifetime. But those are the exciting things. Like when, when you, you travel to these exotic places, you want to you want to taste the local fl- uh, flavors, um, and that gets exciting. But there's no place, uh, to, to quote Dorothy, there's no place like home, right? Like, I just want to be home with my family. And so this has been an odd opportunity to do that this past year, and and yet there's this added stress of, uh, am I going to pay the bills? Which brings us to a, the spiritual place of, do I trust the Lord as my provider? He's, his name is Jehovah Jireh. If I'm if if we're pronouncing it correctly in English slash Hebrew, right. is he is he our provider? Do I trust that or not? Um, and so it's been it's been an exercise in faith. It's been an exercise in trust. 
um, it, it certainly made me rethink, um, you know, I think often of Jesus telling Peter after the resurrection, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Um, and I just <laughs> read it. I think it was um, R.C. Sproul. I read a quote yesterday that he, uh, he said, Jesus didn't say feed my goats. He said, feed my sheep. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I haven't spent too much time reading into all that he's explored into that concept. But, but, but God's given all of us a sphere of influence, whether it's our family, our friends, people on the radio, uh, that, that I feel like it's our responsibility to point to Jesus. And one of the things that I took away from, and I'll stop here in a minute, from this pandemic is I've put a lot of my um, concentration and energy and effort into preparing to feed the sheep of the concert goers that happen to pay tickets to come to my next event, or if it's free, whatever, to come to my next event, the live audience, but really haven't been pouring into the online audience um, around the world. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of felt this, this um, conviction to pay a little bit more attention to the online audience. I might be doing a show in Georgia next week, but there are people in Indiana who happen to follow me and they care about what I think and they like my music. And so how am I pointing them to Jesus? Or am I just paying attention to the few people who are going to be in Georgia next week? Right. People all over the world, Malaysia, Europe. And so that, that, that's been eye-opening for me. It's not about the number. It's not about, it's not about how many fans I have or even trying to grow my, my fan base. That's not it at all. It's that God's given me a certain number of sheep, his sheep, to care for and to feed. And I need to be responsible to do that. So what have you done? What have you done different then? Well, I, uh, in a really practical way, I, I, I started doing, and, I, and it's, it's, it, everything has its seasons. It starts and it, be, or it begins and it ends. Um, but I started um, doing uh, what began as live little worship concerts. I called them live at home and somewhere, somewhere an hour. I didn't plan I always said it would be a half hour, and then we, we people started talking and requesting songs and engaging and telling stories, and we'd break out into prayer and praying, praying for people's healing in their homes, their families, and the nation, and, and other nations. You know, it's interesting. I Here I am in Tennessee, and, you know, with election year and stuff going on here, we'd be praying for, you know, our nation, and, and here I am talking to you from another nation, mm-hmm. and people would be striking up a conversation from Bolivia and Germany and wherever, like, let's pray for this world and heal our land and God, it's not just about the political borders, it's about the people yeah. um, that you have created. Uh, and so it's opened my eyes there, and, and doing that, and, and then, you know, you, you kind of, I don't want to look at numbers, I, I, I never liked looking at numbers, but there's something good about saying what's working and what's not working. I started doing less of those and, and more little five-minute blurbs of, of a song, either the, a new song of, of my latest album or a song that I recorded 15 years ago or a cover of my favorite hymn or my favorite Keith Green song from 30, 40 years ago, uh, and, and just talking a little bit about it, reading a, a little bit of scripture, pre-recorded, and then I would post it, play the song on my piano, sitting here in my office, my little studio in my house. And it took a five-minute little blurb, and I'd put it up on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook, and I thought, you know, people can, if they want to sit down for an hour and they want to listen to some of these songs, and they can curate their own little concert if they so choose, mm-hmm. um, or it just pops up in their feed and goes away. But, but again, I, not, I hate to say catering to, because that sounds negative, but paying attention to the people um, that happen to say, I would like to follow Aaron Schust, <laughs> the people who have clicked that little follow button yeah. to communicate with them. And sometimes it's natural and it's live, and sometimes the live experience can bring some awkward conversations. And I, I think I was, you know, I was praying for our current leader a while ago, and, and somebody who didn't vote for that leader um, basically cursed them um, and wished for their death while we were praying for them. And, you know, th- those things happen live while we're while we're on the air, as it were, together, and I have to kind of be in, on the on the spot to answer yeah. <laughs> answer appropriately, yeah. and, um, and so that time that that can get stressful at times as well. But you know, I'm I, I need to be able to be ready to give an answer in and out of season. So yeah, and and I guess this this pandemic has shown us a couple of things. First of all, well, a bunch of things, but uh, for one, uh, everybody handles isolation differently. And so the fact that you've, you're reaching out uh, online to to you know meet those needs of your and I'll use in quotes sheep, uh, not goats, mm-hmm. um, and right. and and also um, 
uh, everything from, you know, attention span, you know, the, the fact that you, I, I really like what you said about what's working and what's not working. It's something so simple, but yet it's so true where, you know, if you, if you can measure what's working with your audience, and I don't like using the word mm. audience either. It, it sounds too much, too right. much like a show. You know what I mean? Um, I but, but what's working with the people that, that are, are, um, part of your, I don't want to sound religious either. Part of your following. How can I say it? <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, yeah, that's that's a real term. You know, you, you follow someone or you don't follow. <laughs> Remember those commercials where that lady's talking to her friend and she didn't like what she said. And she said, I unfollow you. <laughs> that's not how it works. Um, so, yeah, followers are, um, you know, I've always skirted away from saying fans. I never liked that. Because yeah. that we know that's that, it's sure it's a fine word. It's not bad. It's not evil. But it's short for fanatic. And I don't like I don't like telling I don't like naming people and saying, "Hey, you're fanatic about me." That's weird. Yeah. You know what? They they press the follow button. They're choosing to follow me. Um, it's kind of like you know, Jesus with his disciples. He said, "Follow me," because you know he was the son of god and he was trustworthy and to be to be followed and and and, you know and paul was even so bold as to say you know imitate me because i'm imitating jesus so there's a there's a serious um responsibility that comes with asking people to follow you Mm -hmm. right i mean i i need to act in such a way because ultimately i'm responsible to, to Jesus. I'm pointing people to Jesus with my actions, whether positively or negatively. Yeah. So I need to be careful. Yeah, no, that's so true. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, leading worship. You've been doing this for forever? Yeah. <laughs> I've been singing in church uh, for as long as I can remember. My mom put me up on stage when I was barely four years old on a Sunday night to sing a song about giving our all away to Jesus. Um, and he will turn our sorrows into joy. Uh, I started leading worship. Um, technically, I was in college the first time. I I, I remember in college, and uh, we're talking circa 1994 or 5, some friends of mine said, hey, are you coming to praise and worship on Tuesday night? And I said, what's praise and worship? And I grew up in the church. This is just not a terminology that was common right. in the 80s, to, at least in my circles, in my church. Um, and they're like, well, it's on Tuesday night. Some of the guys who play instruments are going to play some songs and sing um, for like an hour, and and no one's going to preach. We're just going to worship. I'm like, well, that sounds kind of cool. And I, I loved it. I learned a bunch of new songs. They played some old standards. And and uh, but I here I am. I've been I've been a musician all my life, piano lessons, and I was a music major even in college. But this was new to me. And then um, my senior year. They asked me if I would lead a couple songs as people were walking in the chapel. It was a Christian school. Uh, as people were walking in the chapel every day, uh, it was replacing. Uh, the, the, it, it took two hymns out and kept them in the rest of the chapel service. But they wanted to, you know, cater to the younger generation. Let's not just sing hymns. Let's sing some of these new songs that you know and love. And they asked me to do that, and I'm like, no, I, that's not what I do. I don't. I don't do that. And I pushed back, and they kept pushing forward. We really think you can do this, and we have a need. Will you fill it? And I've had so many opportunities to step into the, to quote Frozen 2, into the unknown, to step Mm -hmm. into what's uncomfortable for me, because there was a need, and people said, Aaron, we think you can fill this need, and we we need you to fill it. And even though I felt completely out of my depth, I I began to to do this, and it began to become a thing that I, I, I felt comfortable doing. There's still that responsibility of, you know, walking up on stage and asking people to sing words directly to the heart and the ears of God. Um, and I feel that responsibility when I write songs, um, that it needs to be theologically correct. Uh, and that's why I love using scripture so much, but I've, I've been doing this, um, in some capacity, um, since college, I guess. Do you find it different when you lead in your home church versus on the road? You know what? Um, when I lead, it depends on the situation. When I lead, I'll, I'll start with the home church. When I lead at the home church with the home home crowd, um, and this is this is pretty much true anytime I'm leading worship as opposed to a concert setting. Mm-hmm. Um, I really try to be invisible. I really try to get out of the way, not make it about my personality or my thoughts or my opinion. Um, I'll read scripture. If I say anything in between songs, I'm going to choose scripture in advance that is going to, in my my hope and prayer is beautifully set up the next song um, to uh, to give weight and value to the next song that we're going to sing by having scripture read beforehand that supports it. 
uh, when I'm in a concert setting, even though most of the songs, if not all of them, almost the vast majority of the songs that I'm going to perform are going to fit in the worship song category. Um, but that said, for an evening concert, when people are coming out with, you know, and, and standing in line and getting their tickets and taking a seat, and I, I, it's going to be a little bit more storyteller and hopefully a little bit more engaging. And I'll welcome, and some of the songs will be fun. I'll tell stories about my kids, stories about what, what inspired this next song. So it feels like a concert, even if the songs themselves are worshipful. Right. But when it comes to a Sunday morning, for example, or whenever you gather, worship setting, um, that's, that's not the approach I take at all. Right. Uh, years ago, I used to lead worship in my church, and what I my my best times doing that was when now I, I I'm also an audio guy, so I'm, I'm I was heading up the sound department, so I was I was kind of doing two jobs there. Um, but what I did is I established, and I've, I've mentioned this before on the show as well. I I, I established a um, hand signals with the sound guy, and. <clears throat> Uh, what I would do is, uh, I, you know, you start you start leading, you start leading the song. That's what a worship leader does, and and uh, and then if it, you know, sometimes there would be some changes that need to be made in the monitors or whatever else, so I would signal the sound guy to cut my mic, and then I would give him instructions on on mic, telling him you know what he needed to change and whatever else. But right. my, my favorite times leading were when I could start the song. And I had a good enough uh, backup team with me of singers where one of them knew exactly what I was doing, and I would just jump into harmony because I'm worshiping now, right? And, uh, and, he would yeah. ta- and he would take the lead. And so it was that whole what you just right. said where you're not in the forefront or anything. It's just like we're just worshiping, right? So I, I'd start yes. the song because that's my job, and then I would jump into harmony. Somebody else is taking the lead, and we're doing this together. And that was th- those were the right. best times, you know? And I, you shouldn't always look back and say, well, that was the best time way back when it can still be, but I guess the difference is I, I don't lead worship anymore. So, yeah, there's been a couple situations that have been uh, each of them unique that that stand out in my memory in a worship setting similar to what you just shared. That I'm like that was it, it's almost so good and so pure you want to duplicate it and replicate it, but then you also know well that that's it's not as simple as that. It's the spirit moving in a, in, in a unique way in yeah. a given moment. For example, when I lose my voice, I'm fighting with a little head cold right now. I've got some shows coming up this weekend, and I'm trying to hydrate and make sure that because when I when I have a head cold, the next thing that goes is my voice. Yeah, um, and there there have been occasions where I have a head cold and my voice goes. And it's it's the best times of worship because I'm completely out of the way, right? You know, uh, and I start and I, I apologize and I'll, and that's that's where there's something worth saying. Um, especially, you were asking about how I lead different from the home home church to on the road. If I'm lead, a couple of weeks ago, I was in San Diego on a Sunday morning leading the worship services. Now these people, I don't know if they listen to my music or not. They're coming to church on Sunday morning because that's what they do. So all of a sudden, they have a new guest worship leader, um, and I, I have this real like for me to just jump in the deep end musically and say, "Follow me." We're, we're gonna. Or actually, more to my point, not saying follow me, just start singing. They're probably not going to, who's this guy? Why do I right. trust him? Or they might not it's even know worship. the song. Well, I do I do my best to make sure they know. That. When it comes to worship, I think that's the worst time to introduce brand new songs. Here's right. a song I wrote on Thursday. Exactly. No one's going to sing along. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, that's not about my time to broadcast new music. Um, so uh, assuming that they know the music and it's in a key that's, whether it's, even if it's uncomfortable for me vocally, it's I know it's comfortable for the audience, or excuse me, for the congregation, we'll say, in this situation. Um, but that's, there are times that I'll, I'll, I'll ask for, you know, to the, the pastor, can I have like 60 seconds at the beginning after you hand it over to me to, to say something, to attempt to earn the congregation's trust as I ask them to follow me to the throne of grace. Um, and maybe it's just, uh, a passage of scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a little bit of my personality to say, you know, hey, this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. And as we sing this song here in a moment that we all know and love, as we know what's going on in our world today, let's, uh, whatever, let's let's cast our cares on Him, because we know that He cares for us. And if I can say that and hopefully earn their trust a little bit, they might be more prone to genuinely worship the Lord uh, together as as they sing with a stranger on a Sunday morning. Yeah, I like I like what you said about earning the trust. And the other thing I like you about what you just said was uh, asking permission 
respecting the leadership of the church. And and I come from a background where when I led worship or when I started to lead worship, I, I was in a church where, um, you know, I was a newbie uh, leading worship and the lead pastor of the church, basically the instructions to me were, you're not up there to preach. You're not up there to talk. You're up, you're up to lead worship. And so, you know, when the music starts, I start to sing, right? Uh, right, right. But but I wasn't a guest. Like people knew who I was, right? And that that makes a big right. difference. If, if you're in your home church, you, yeah, can, you can get away with something like that. But on the road, uh, being a guest uh, singer or worship leader in a church, um, I, I think that that tells a lot when you you know you approach the leadership of the church or the pastor and say, "This is what I'd like to do," um, right. and, and and give your reasons. I think it, it says a lot, you know. Well, I, uh, thank you. Uh, I, I, I want to respect the, their authority. And also, like you said, realizing that I'm a, I'm a guest in their house, as it were. Uh, this is, you know, and I, I like what you said about the, uh, you know, not preaching. There's something, I mean, when I was, I made all the mistakes, and I'm still making mistakes, but I, you know, I made them all when I started doing this, uh, when, I, when I took my first job as a worship leader at 24. And that was one of the things, was getting up there and just with a pure heart, wanting to share truth with the people before we sang the song. Um, and sometimes I would talk a little too much and, and, and getting, you know, getting into a theological pool that maybe the leadership of the church was like, Hey man, we love you, but we disagree with that theology. Right. Um, so, and then one of the things I had to do was go through like, and it wasn't just me, there were like 12 of us had to go through an eight week crash course on um, the theology of the church to make sure we were on the same page when we get up there to uh, to lead worship and say things, we want to make sure that we're all, you know, that we're putting a, a unified front forward from the platform. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 this, uh, uh, someone who I respect uh, greatly and had an opportunity to lead worship while they were speaking, uh, a guest, a keynote speaker at an event, I got on the phone and um, she uh, was talking through all of the songs that we would be doing versus what, you know, what the topics were for her sessions, et cetera. And she said near the end, she said, I always tell my worship leader, I'll let you do the singing. You let me do the talking, right, and yeah. I laughed. I was like, "That is so good." Because can you imagine if you're if you're the speaker and you're getting up to speak, and some worship leader starts saying things that you just completely disagree with theologically? Right. It forces me to stay stay on the straight and narrow, like not venture into the mysteries of the gospel, but just like you know, the, what we know to be true, the creeds, you know, God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and of course, there's even divisions there. But um, you know. That's why I love quoting Scripture, almost without interpretation. Let me read this passage of Scripture from Romans chapter whatever. Here's the Word of God. Yeah, you can't you can't go wrong. Right. I'm, I'm not giving my erroneous interpretation of what I think it means. Um, you let the Spirit do that correctly. I, would, I wouldn't even correctly. say that it's necessarily even theology uh, as far as speaking. I think part of it too is. Whatever you're saying, uh, especially if you um, if you haven't had the dialogue with whoever's preaching uh, to know what they're preaching about, you could be totally mm-hmm. off track of what you're talking about, anyways. Yeah, true. You know, right. so and not or, necessarily or, a, a or, theology or, thing, more of a just under. yeah. It's just like <laughs> we're we're taking this in a completely different direction, and and that might be a problem right. as well, right? So right, uh, and that's where it's it's also important. And this doesn't always happen. I love it when it does when a pastor cares deeply about what songs are being selected mm-hmm. as much as when I care deeply about what his, what his topic's going to be, you know, like, okay, so you want me to lead next week. What's the message? Because maybe I can choose some songs that help support that. Even if it's just one song that has one lyric that supports where you're going. Um, and, uh, what a beautiful thing. And they're like, Hey, what do you, what do you say? I love it when a, when a, when a pastor even suggests a song for the set. Now, sometimes I'm like, I, I don't know that song, and and it's tomorrow morning, so it's probably not going to work, but next time. Uh, but when they suggest a song, and I can say, you know what, I know that song. That'd be a great idea. I'd love to do it. Yeah, uh, It's fun to work together. When you're leading worship out of town, so you're a guest worship leader, um, how much prep do you do? Like, do you contact the church in advance and say, you know, what are some of the common songs that you guys sing? Um, do you guys have a band? And if, if they do have a band, do you, you know, select a playlist or a set list and let them know in advance so they can rehearse and then you get to spend some time with them maybe the night before or the morning of? Uh, a lot of those uh, details are known in the initial conversation that I've got teams around me who uh, 
deal with the initial, like the booking on the, on the front side of things. And, and uh, so I've got some conduits that, that go through quite nicely. And every, every situation is unique. Um, we, I've learned, uh, and it's different. I mean, some people just absolutely adore and look forward to playing with um, other, church, other church bands. And that sounds like a very pure thing to be excited about. I've just learned that that sometimes is some of the most stressful. Yeah. Times. It often involves an extra tw- you know, 12 or 24 hours to show up earlier, which is away from my family, um, to do a lot of rehearsal. Yeah. And, and sometimes the, um, the local church band is not nearly as talented as the pastor says they are. That's exactly, um, well, that's kind of what I was leading towards, Aaron, because uh, they're volunteers and they're not pros, and that's no fault of their own, but you're right. Uh, everybody thinks, especially their pastor, saying, oh, these guys are phenomenal, or maybe he doesn't have a musical ear, and they really aren't. Right, and and it, you know, it could be a, just a beautiful thing of the church coming together, and a, an example of we don't have to be perfect in the eyes of the Lord. Joyful noise, all that stuff. But there's a part of me, and it's it's my ego and my pride that when I think about the people who don't attend that church, but follow me on social media and drove three hours to come see me lead worship at this church on Sunday morning, and I and, and we sound horrible. That's, you know, that, that hurts my pride a little bit. Yeah. And then I, then I start asking the questions, well, is that me being, is that me playing skillfully before the Lord? Is that me being excellent? Right. Because the Bible talks about that as well. So yeah. um, we, you know, there's, there's this rub between desiring to be um, pure before the Lord and your pride getting in and, and your feelings getting hurt. So there's, there's always a tension. Uh, I understand what you're saying. I, I disagree in the sense that I don't think it's ego and pride when you want to give excellence. Okay, thank you. I, I just I want you to 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 know from my from my standpoint. I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to give your best to God. And if you think that um, having another band that may not, whether you know they're good or not, but relying on them, um, and then like you say, where people might be visiting, if they hear that you're in town and they want to attend this worship service, uh, and then they are let down. And I know it's not about you, it's about God, but at the same time, they, they have a certain expectation. We live in a world now where people expect excellence. You can you can turn on the radio, you can listen to Spotify and listen to these you know really good songs that have been produced well and everything else, and you've got sound yes. systems that are far better than they were 20 years ago. Um, yeah, they expect to hear excellence. You want to know my favorite worship experience um, and it stemmed off of what we're talking about right here. It's the exact opposite of of the I'll just say it, of the of the modern worship movement. And and honestly, what I create and what I do when I get on stage, there was this. Uh, I won't. We, I could talk a lot about this. I won't. But there's a small community uh, in where I lived in Pittsburgh for seven years, uh, and and they they gathered and they were called Tizé, which is based out of a small town in France, and I believe it began with Roman Catholic roots, which I'm not. Um, but what a small community of people who've been doing this for decades, they would gather once a month on Sunday evenings in a quiet room with chairs set up, um, and some candles lit, whatever the vibe was. It was really peaceful. And we would sit down, and for one hour, they had an order of service with some, some notated songs in a, on a piece of paper that was different every month. And and there were these simple little songs. Like, imagine the simplicity of, like, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. Like, you mm-hmm. know that song, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's over before it starts. It's like a 25-second song. Yeah. And they were, but, it, you know, but, a, but songs that I had never heard of before that had been around for years, but they weren't, they weren't popular. They weren't, you know, they weren't top 40 worship songs. Um, but they were, once you sing them a couple times, and they were predominantly Scripture, you just repeat and you would repeat, and then the parts would start to come in, soprano, alto, tenor, bass, and it would just get more beautiful, and it would echo around the room, and then it would quiet down, and after about five minutes, we would stop. And we're talking about singing like, you know, blessed are you, Lord God, like these words from from Scripture. And then it'd be silent for a few minutes, and then someone would read a passage of Scripture, and then it would be silent, and we'd sing a different, for an hour. I'm like, it was so stripped down, just voices and maybe a piano, there was so little room for distraction. The only thing that was there to see was God himself. Yeah. And I, I love it because I'm so distracted by music quality. 
I'm, I'm, I'm distracted by the quality. Like, that is so good. Her voice is fantastic. That guitar solo was amazing. Yeah. I'm also distracted by the poor quality. So right. it's like, well, shoot, catch 22. Yeah, and I understand what you're saying, and I and I think you know you telling that story makes me reflect back on some of the moments when it was just that awesome worship time. I can remember one in particular where there was a big snowstorm in Toronto, like you wouldn't experience that where you are in Nashville, but huge snowstorm where they're closing roads, uh, they're telling people not to venture out, and I was already on the road, and I think I contacted, I was involved in the youth group at that time, so um, I had to be at the church later on that day for a youth event, and so I'm I'm calling the church, I'm speaking with the youth pastor and saying, you know, what's, what's the deal, what's happening, are we going to cancel, is everything going to happen he says you know i i um we're, we're still we're still going to make it happen uh if you're not going into work because of the snowstorm why don't you drop by and we'll just we'll just hang out and so we quote unquote hang out uh, and a bunch of other people just decided to hang out and we decide to go into the mm-hmm. main sanctuary and i don't like using the word sanctuary but you know what i'm talking about where there's the piano sure. and we just start singing and worshiping and wow like, I can't believe we spent three hours doing that or whatever the time frame was. It was just that. And you know what? If I mean, no matter where you would have been, that became a set-apart place, yeah. a holy place, a sanctuary. It's just set-apart for, for special use. And that's, it's so beautiful. And, and you're going to remember that, yeah. you know, because it was, it was unusual, atypical, yeah. um, and, and so unique and so special. Um, and, you know, I... I don't know if Jesus and the disciples had access to sound systems and, and full bands, had they, would they have used them? Maybe they did. I mean, we know there was a lot of instruments with Solomon's temple and the trumpets and the lutes and the lyres and the strings and the singers. So there was a lot of production involved there. Um, but sometimes it's good to just pare things back and, and get to the essentials. Yeah. Well, pairing it back, and then I like what you said about, you know, being in that room where you would just be singing, singing a simple song and then... The harmonies come in and and whatever else and it's just it's that beautiful moment when you know you're not you're trying to give your your personal excellence to god and not concentrate on any of the negative stuff on oh i didn't right. really like the way that note was played or it's kind right. of it's kind of too stripped down with just a keyboard or the piano but yet those are just those beautiful moments you know yeah and you know, and there was no leader, there was no podium, there was no one to look at, and yet it was it was orderly. Yeah, there was a plan, and so it wasn't like this free flowing do what you want to, which is fine. It is a place for that, um, but I like my personality is I like intentionality. I yeah. like the order. Um, so it was beautiful to me. Yeah. I'm. I like the order as well. I like having a plan in place, but I, sometimes it's nice when the plan doesn't actually happen according to what <laughs> we think, too. right? When people ask me, like, uh, like imagine we're standing backstage before a church service, and you know the the production team they're asking they'll ask me, hey, what's what's going to happen here? And I'll say, well, plan A is this. Right. I have no clue if that's going to happen or not, but that's the plan. Yeah. One of my favorite moments in church is when. Hate to say it this way, but uh, one of my favorite moments in church is when the preaching never actually happens, mm. because there's just it's it's not being necessarily forgotten about, but there's no time because we're too busy worshiping. That's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. Wow. Yeah. And then you know, hopefully the uh, the word uh, was was spoken through good lyrics that if, if they weren't scripture verbatim they reflected the truth in scripture right and scriptures were read and prayers were lifted and um yeah the the idea of of a person standing up on a on a platform and you know giving a long homily is not uh it's not always been that way you know that yeah. that's traditions have begun that over the years and they've morphed and they've changed and uh, sometimes it's good to recognize what is tradition and what is necessary. Right. I was. Uh, I haven't spent a lot of time physically being in church over the last year and a half. Uh, I've done a lot of sure. online stuff, but I was in church a number of weeks ago. It was actually in my home church, and I was there. And that's this was one of those uh, moments when the preaching never happened. In fact, it was quite comical at one point where the pastor got up and said, "I give up. Just keep going." <laughs> those those were the words. That's I beautiful. give up. That, yeah, like what more That's could you beautiful. say? Yeah, and and yet 
what you said about the fact that there was still a message, there was still there was still meat and potatoes uh, to be yeah. had. It it was just yeah. different from what we expected and wanted necessarily, but it it, it was awesome. Sure. It was awesome. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that's a great story. Yeah, I give up. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. There you go. <laughs> Well, uh, I wanted to chat a little bit. I don't know if you've got some time. I just wanted to t- chat I a do. little, uh, chat yeah. a little bit about some. Uh, uh, I call it business, if you want to, if you want to call it that. Um, sure. You are, you're an independent artist. Um, yes. Sort of. I mean, you've got your own label. Um, you used to be signed to a label. Can you tell me, from your perspective, the advantages and disadvantages of both scenarios? I know there's, you know, more flexibility when you're independent, but it's also a lot more work. From your perspective, what's the difference? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I was on two different labels, um, separate times. So one was, uh, the first one was called Brash Music, and my first three albums, which included like the songs like My Savior, My God on the first album, and um, Watch Over Me was on the second one, and To God Alone was on the third one. That was over the course of five years between 05 and 10. Uh, they weren't uh, they weren't believers. They would not say that they were followers of Jesus, um, and yet they took a risk signing a worship leader. And mm-hmm. they said they believed in the music, and they would learn they would learn the ropes. They did, they had no clue that there was such a thing as Christian conferences. When we were first talking, they were like, uh, "Where would you play? Would you like do you play in bars?" I'm like, "No, probably not. There's you know there's churches that might bring me in, and they have concerts in the evening. Well, you, you could do bars. You could do bars. It would be, it'd be could, different, sure. but yeah, yeah." Um, <laughs> I don't think a bar is going to call me up and ask me to play. I guess I could knock on their door and ask them if I could, but you know well, that's yet to be seen. Uh, but it was a, it was a good experience. I'm still in touch with some of the people there over the years, and um, one one fellow shares a birthday with me, so we always at least wish each other happy birthday every year and, and give ourselves condolences for our favorite uh, NFL football teams when they lose. Right. Um, and then, but then um, when I finished the contract with them, um, I, I was looking for. Uh, a family, a label that would uh, understand, sympathize, be able to like get the idea of ministry, not just the business. Right. Um, and I signed with Centricity Music and did four albums with them. Five, if you can, you include the Christmas album. For reasons I don't understand, most record contracts do not include albums like uh, Christmas music, like holiday things, a special event. But I mean, I, I probably that was probably the most ambitious album of the five that I did with them, went to Prague and uh, recorded with the Prague Philharmonic Orchestra. And uh, I'm, I'm incredibly proud of, of that album. I've said that if I could only keep one album, like, like the whole deserted island, what would you take with you? Like that would be the one album that I would keep. Mm-hmm. Um, proud of that Christmas album. Uh, but when, when I completed the contract there for, for business reasons that we came up with, you know, it's just like, it didn't make sense to move forward together. And I was, I was sad about that because I was willing, if I could be quite honest, I was willing to move forward with them primarily because I I knew nothing else. Um, And so I had a couple of days where I had to like have a, um, you know, an identity check. What, what do I do? And and prayerfully, like, who am I? Am I, do I, if I don't have somebody saying, I will help you make music, do I continue to make music or do I do something else? And that's pretty much, uh, you know, uh, the the nutshell elevator speech of what is a record label, it's it's usually a person or a company of people that says, we are going to help this artist or this band create music, and we're going to do all the things to make sure that all the people can hear this music, and then we'll, we'll keep a percentage of it. Right. Um, and so w- without that, I'm either looking, I'm checking my pockets and my, my checking account to say, do I have enough money to make this music? And to what extent, and a record label has to ask themselves the same thing, how much money do I want to pour into marketing? How much money do I want to pour into the production, um, et, et cetera? Do I want to make a music video for this one or should I not? Like all these questions, it, it all cost money. Um, and then, you know, there are, and I'll close with this, there are definitely some connections that a, that a record label will have with uh, with retail outlets, or they might have the phone number of the guy at apple.com that I don't have, for example. Uh, and so that's, that's once, and, and we, we outsource like, you know, with, with some songs, I, like I released two songs this year. One was um, a, a really lamenting version of Isaiah 53, talking about the, uh, the prophecy looking forward to the suffering servant of the Messiah. 
uh, I did not pitch that to radio. I did not think this is not a song that radio is going to embrace. So I said, well, we'll, we'll let it exist where it's supposed to exist. Yeah. And then I released one more recently, but I think this one actually might work at radio. So I hired a radio guy. It's the same thing that a label would do. They would, they would either have their own radio. So all that to say, uh, it's been, it's been a, a joy. And I, I think if I can say at this point in my career, if I had an opportunity, and I might change my mind, but as, as of today, if I had an opportunity to, to sign with a, a record label, even if it were a really good deal, I don't think I would do it. I really, like we're learning the ropes. We're learning what we can handle and what we need to outsource. We're really enjoying uh, the freedom to release the songs that feel important to release and not feel pressured to release songs that don't feel important, right. um, but we're being pressured to. Uh, so I've really, like, and what I've been doing recently, I don't know what the future's going to hold, but I've just been releasing singles. And, like, you know, you might write a bunch of songs, but I'm thinking, but this song feels really important for this time. It feels important to me, almost like a spiritual weight, like, share this song. And so I do. And with no stress of how many, how many you know, what are the sales? What are the numbers? I don't, I don't care. If, if it's my responsibility, uh, and I just have to obey my heart, and what I believe the Spirit speaking to me, like, Aaron, share this song with the world. And it doesn't matter what the numbers are. What matters is whether or not I'm obedient to God. And I don't want to over-spiritualize it. I don't think I am. Uh, it's been, it's, it feels way more like a ministry now, um, whereas it felt a little bit more like a business before. Right. I mean, although I will say that it sounds to me like the experience you had with the label uh, not negative and learn no, and no, learning valuable. Yeah. And, and, and learning, like if I can say learning what they did for you so that when you went on your own, you kind of knew, okay, I got to do this. I got to do this. Like you kind of knew the steps versus, versus somebody not having a clue. Right. Absolutely. Thank you for saying that. Uh, without everything that not only a learning curve, but what they, uh, you know, they're, what they propelled me to be able to do now, I wouldn't been able to do it. Um, the, you know, we talk about not using the word audience, but the people uh, that graciously walk with me as I write these songs. And, and, and then sometimes these people have supported me. Like I, I, about a year ago, it was, Jan- it was January, I started writing this Isaiah 53 song that I was talking about. And I, I just played a, a version of it on my guitar sitting here in my room and started talking about wanting to, to record it. And, and without asking for help, some people began to ask me if they could help. And enough people did, and I didn't have a way set up to do that. Like, oh, wow, they want to they wanna help me fund this. Well, I will accept that kind of offering. Um, and so um, we've set up a way to do it, and the, the whole song and the video and even, even some marketing to help people hear it was funded by my followers. And I was, I was so, so grateful. So grateful. That is so nice. Didn't expect that at all. Yeah, that's nice when things like that happen. And I guess the other thing, back to your point about uh, releasing singles, I think that's kind of an industry norm now. And and I like it better, to be honest, where an artist will uh, release singles versus putting out a full-length album. The albums are great, don't get me wrong, but... But it's right. always fresh. It's always new when it, when it's a new single versus releasing a single off of an album that came out six months ago. Well, I kind of already right. have heard it. It's not new. Whereas, you know, releasing single after single, number one, it's more cost effective for the artist. And uh-huh. number two, it's fresh and new. Right. Right. Absolutely. Uh, and there's there's some ways that one, one of my producer friends was saying, you know, there's a way that you could if you're if you're patient enough and it would lose some of its freshness, like you said. Um, but some cost effectiveness might be instead of hiring an entire band or, an, or a string section for one song, you're still paying the day rate. Um, I could hire them for a day uh, to record three songs or four yeah. songs. And yeah. if I'm patient enough to, I can release one song in January and then release the other song in June. And then, so then like there's this sense of singles being released. So I, that's something I haven't dabbled yet with, but this it, it's, it's kind of like the wild, wild West, man. Since things have changed so much digitally, uh, we're we're kind of learning what works and what doesn't. Yeah, and it's like what you said right in the beginning. What's what's working and not not working, especially right. during the pandemic. What do you do differently? And then uh, and there's a season as well, right? You're gonna, what you're doing now may not be what you do in six months from now because the exactly. shift might have changed again, right? So, yeah, when you believe and embrace that that life is seasonal, 
there's a lot of joy in making minor adjustments and minor tweaks and, and just looking back. I mean, I, I'm standing in my office right now. I just rearranged it. Like literally, like no one cares but me. But the desk is in a different place and the chairs are in a different place. And it's so fresh to me. I'm like, you know what? This is better. This is better. And I'm already thinking about like, what, a, what does 2022 look like? What am I going to continue doing? And what am I going to stop doing? What am I going to change? I think this is good to make you know, these minor little adjustments as we move through life, no matter what the topic is. Yeah. And being willing now, now we go back theologically, you know, to be willing to look at what we've said, we've always believed and have an open mind to say, maybe I was wrong. Mm. Like, am I willing to make some, some, some tweaks, maybe minor, maybe major, um, you know, I've been singing this for over 15 years. I am not skilled to understand what God has willed, what God has planned. And I think starting with that, with that, um, that's that base of humility to say, I might be wrong. I might be wrong, but I'm searching for truth here. I want to, I want to be a better version of myself. I want to be more like Jesus tomorrow than I was yesterday. Aaron, I got to say, what a refreshing conversation with you. Oh, thank you. Likewise, this has been good. Your um, your manager uh, had sent me an email uh, last week saying, uh, what do we want to talk about? And my response back to him was, well, pretty much anything, because we're just having a conversation. We're not we're not having an yeah. interview, you know? We're just going to have... Yeah, it feels like that. Yeah, and, and that's what I like. That's what I really enjoy. And, and hearing your perspective on things, it's been really refreshing and encouraging. Uh, so, so thank you. I just want to say thank you, and I and I appreciate your music as well. Like not not to sound like one of your fans or whatever, but I love your stuff. So just just uh, so you know, I appreciate that. Thank you. That means that really means a lot. Yeah, oh, beautiful. Thank you, yeah. James. Well, thank you, Aaron. Hey, and, honored, uh, honored to be on your show. Thank well, you. Well, it's an honor to have you on the show, and thank you so much, even on the short notice of of uh, you know being a part of it. I really appreciate it. And glad it worked out, man. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you. God bless you today. You too. Peace. Bye bye. Make sure you check out AaronSchust.com to find the links to his music, events, and social media. Thank you, Aaron. And for some artist advice this week, some wise words from worship leader Aaron Williams. I think we can't neglect the private uh, devotional space by being so focused on the the public space, if that makes sense. Um, So we... We often, as pastors, worship leaders, or whatever, we're, we're just planning and thinking about being on stage in front of a lot of people doing ministry. And if we're not careful, we do that to the detriment of actually cultivating in our own private life, a life with Jesus. Like it's one-on-one. It's not, it's not for some other purpose. You know, I'm not, I'm not be- getting into the scriptures and being alone with God so that I can get a nugget to share with someone else, but actually just so I can create relationship and friendship with God himself. I think, I think I see that and I've fallen prey to that myself. And it's like, if I was ever sitting with worship leaders, I would just say, you're going to, there's going to be more power and effectiveness in the public sphere of ministry. If it overflows out of a real life private devotion and you you just can't i just can't emphasize that enough wow so important simple but true remember your private devotions with god your personal relationship with him well that's a wrap for this week's episode many thanks to aaron schust for spending some time with us we hope you enjoyed the show make sure you subscribe to the podcast for new episodes and leave us a rating and a review that just helps us reach more people until next time have a great week